All right, our text tonight will be the book of Numbers, chapter 27. Book of Numbers, chapter 27. We'll do a quick review from last week's part one of our study of the life of Joshua. And this could be a whole sermon series, but we're just uh, dividing up into two or three Wednesday nights here a look at the life of Joshua. So Numbers chapter 27. Trust you had a good prayer time. I know we'll take our prayer list with us and be praying for one another throughout the week. And periodically I send out emails with updates. And so thank you for praying for one another. I was at the hospital yesterday visiting a friend of ours from Logansport. Their church at Hillcrest is without a pastor. And we've been friends of the family for several years. Anyway, she was... She was at IU Arnett. I went, went and saw her. And uh, just a faithful, uh, just a, her and her husband have been just faithful servants of the Lord for many, many years. And she was, she was just talking about the power of prayer. And it was such a blessing. Many times I go and I make hospital calls, and I want to be a blessing to them. And many times they are a blessing in return to me. And this was one of those where... Just a saint of the Lord who's been very faithful, and she's just talking about how good God has been. Here she is, uh, having received some bad news about her physical condition, uh, going through rehab, and uh, she's talking about how good God is, and the power of prayer, and how she could even sense, in a spiritual, in in the right kind of way, sense the the presence of the Lord in the prayers of God's people for her. And uh, what a blessing to be able to Uh, cast our burdens on the Lord and be able to pray for one another. And so we are thankful for that privilege to pray for each other. Joshua, Joshua, loyal leader. Here is a man who spent many, many years in preparation. We spent a good deal of time on this last week. I will just rehearse the points briefly. But Joshua was a prepared man. He was the son of Nun. He served under Moses for many years, even having the privilege of being the only other person besides Moses to go up into Mount Sinai when God was giving the law. What an incredible privilege when the children of Israel were told not even so much as touch the mountain or else they would die. Joshua had the privilege of going up into Mount Sinai at a lower place and being there between. And when Moses was called down from the mountain because of the sin of the people. Joshua was one of those who came down with him and heard the sound of the, the people and their paganism and their idolatry down in the camp. And so we know that Joshua was there waiting, and he was probably hearing and seeing things and spending time with the Lord, and yet he was not the direct recipient of the revelation. He was not also down in the camp. He was there between, and it was all part of his preparation. He was chosen to be one of the 12 spies. Numbers 13 talks about each of those 12 men were leaders. All 12 of them were chosen because they were leaders. For only two of them, Joshua and Caleb, came back with a good report. We talked last week about how Joshua and Caleb looked at the land through the eyes of God, through the promises of God, with a biblical worldview, and they came back with a good report. But those other ten, they looked at the land with the wrong view, the wrong perspective, 
did not claim the promises of God. They saw themselves as the ants and the grasshoppers. Whereas because Joshua and Caleb claimed the promises of God, they believed God, they saw the enemies of God as the ants, as the grasshoppers. And what a perspective that we need to have in this wicked world in which we live. And we need to remember that our God is bigger than our enemies. And those are, first of all, souls who need the gospel. We have enemies in the sense of they are opposed to our God. They're opposed to the word of God. They're opposed to what we are trying to do for the Lord. But we have to remember that they are people who need the Lord. And if not for the grace of God, so would we be. But at the same time, we understand that we have to take a stand for what is right. We have to claim the promises of God and we have to live in victory and not live in defeat and discouragement as bad as things get. And I have to wean myself off of some of the news. I enjoy the news. I enjoy the politics. And I have to find myself at times just taking a step away because it can get so negative. And I have to remember that even the conservative news sites, they are, many of them, they're still trying to get money. They're still trying to get followers. They're still trying to get viewers. And so they're sometimes even going to capitalize on the negativity and the sensational in order to get viewers. At the same time, um, we need to be informed. We need to know what's going on. We don't need to put our heads in the sand. We were at the Ark Encounter and we saw... It's not an ostrich. Or was it an ostrich? Do we see an ostrich? What's the other one called that's like an ostrich? Emu. That's right. How can I forget that? There's the Liberty commercial. Emu. Anyway, so there's an emu. And we can be like an ostrich. Uh, I'm assuming an emu puts their head in the sand. Uh, that might be a per- proverbial myth or something. But we can bury our heads in the sand and not have any clue what's going on. I don't think God wants us to be that way. I think God wants us to be informed citizens Uh, I think we see that example in the Bible, but at the same time, we can't get so caught up and get so agitated in our spirit uh, that we don't trust the Lord. And here's Joshua as one of the 12 spies when the other 10, he and Caleb are a minority. They claimed the promises of God. They believed God and they stood against the mob. There was literally a mob that was even ready to take out the leadership. And Joshua and Caleb, Moses, and we don't know how many others, but Joshua and Caleb led a minority of those who believed the promises of God, who stood up for what was right. And, of course, we know the story. And uh, Moses interceded on Israel's behalf because God was ready to destroy the children of Israel and start all over again. And Moses interceded, and we know that there were 40 years of wandering, and there was multitudes of funerals for 40 years. Imagine what that was like for 40 years as that unbelieving generation died off. Every funeral was a reminder. Every time they wandered from place to place and they looked across and they saw that they were not going to go in the promised land when they could have. And it was a reminder. But Joshua and Caleb were rewarded for their faithfulness and for their fidelity And Joshua was a prepared man. He waited, he trusted, he believed God, he was a faithful man, he was a man of character, and he was prepared for what God would have him to do. So as we often see, faith 
and fidelity, character, has to be tested. It has to be proven. Faith has works. We are created in, in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So we're saved people. We're not saved by good works, but we show our faith by our works. And we see Joshua as a prepared man now having to put into practice, yes, already as a spy, yes, already as a minister to Moses, but now literally he has to step into Moses' shoes. That brings us to Numbers 27 and verse 18. The Lord said unto Moses, Take thee Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thine hand upon him, and set him before Eleazar the priest, and before all the congregation, and give him a charge in their sight, and thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. And he shall stand before Eleazar the priest, who shall ask counsel for him after the judgment of Urim before the Lord. At his word shall they go out, and at his word they shall come in, both he and all the children of Israel with him, even all the congregation. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and he took Joshua and set him before Eleazar the priest, and before all the congregation. And he laid his hands upon him and gave him a charge as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. This is the day. Moses is stepping away. God is now taking Joshua and transitioning him into the place of leadership. We don't know, but there are some estimates of the possibility of over 750,000, maybe a million people that he is now going to lead and that he is going to take Moses' place and he's going to be the one to take them across the Jordan River into that promised land, into the land of Canaan. Huge responsibility. Major, major responsibilities. He has been prepared for this day, but now the reality has come. So what do we read about Joshua in Numbers 27 and verse 18? A man who is spirit-led, in whom is the Spirit. What did Joshua need to be able to lead Israel effectively? To lead Israel to claim the land that God had promised Abraham and had delivered them from Egypt to come now and to take on the enemies, the Canaanites being some of the most evil, the most wicked, the most violent, the most perverted people to ever live. Again, I don't want to keep repeating this, but you go back to the book of Leviticus and you read about the sexual sins that Israel was to stay away from. And we read there in Leviticus that such were the sins of the people of the land of Canaan. These were horrible people, violent people, wicked, perverse people. And Joshua is commanded to lead Israel and to take them in to conquer this land. Big responsibility. Fearful. A natural fear that no doubt came across Joshua. He needed the Spirit of the Lord. And we have to remember that. We have to go into a job. We have to go into a physical trial, a financial trial, testings, home situations, all kinds of different trials that are, in a sense, our land of Canaan that we have to enter into, that we have to go into and conquer, so to speak. 
Do we not need the Spirit of the Lord? We may not be a Joshua leading 750,000 to a million people, but do we not need the Spirit of the Lord to help us, to empower us, to strengthen us for whatever He has called us to do, whatever service? It's hard sometimes to look and to see the lay of the land, so to speak, and look at all the challenges and say, how am I going to do this? And maybe that's sometimes where God wants us, to finally admit that we can't do it, that we have to trust the Lord, we have to lean on Him, depend upon Him for His wisdom, for His strength. Joshua, I can only imagine, I have claimed Joshua 1 in verse number 9 uh, throughout my life. Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. I remember claiming that verse as a teenager when I was dealing with teenage issues. <laughs> and my mom and dad saying, you can't be a double-minded man. You have to trust the Lord. You have to look to the Lord. And I can hear my mom and dad's voice as if I were still in their home living with them to this day. And how they pointed me to the word of God. And I remember claiming Joshua 1 and verse 9 many times throughout my life. And how many times do we have to claim the word of God, claim his promises, and be strong in the Lord. And be of good courage. No doubt Joshua had some natural fear. But he was led by the Lord. He was encouraged, as we just said, to be courageous. And then he led the Israelites into the promised land. And then... Let's focus on this for a minute. Notice what Joshua did. He was a prepared man. I, I, I call him a loyal leader because Joshua was loyal to God first, to God's promises, to God's word, and he was loyal to God's ordained leadership. And in doing so, God prepared him, and in his loyalty, he was obedient. Now, we can be loyal to lots of different people and lots of different organizations, sports teams. I'm a loyal Giants fan. I've been through thick and thin with them. And I was there with them when they lost 100 games in the mid-'80s. I was there with them when they lost in the playoffs to the St. Louis Cardinals in 1987. I about cried when they lost to the Saint, to the uh, um, the Angels, the Disney Angels, in 2002. Um, I was overjoyed when they won the World Series in 2010, 2012, and 2014. I was loyal. I was waving my giant stuff. I was wearing my giant gear. I was a loyal fan. But that loyalty is nothing compared to what Cubs fans have to go through. Anyway, no, just kidding. We're loyal. We're loyal. We wear our favorite team's colors, even if they've had a bad season. Now, I know there's always those bandwagon fans. We're loyal to causes. We're loyal to all kinds of different activities and organizations, teams. We're, we're loyal, and there are certain things that we should be. We're losing loyalty in our culture today. There, there, there's just not that commitment level, it seems, anymore for anything um, except self. It's just we don't have commitment. We don't have commitment to church, to Christian community, to the Word of God. To I mean, we could go on and on. But what, what am I saying? 
Joshua was loyal to the right people. He started with a loyalty to God and to God's promises and to God's principles, to God's commands. So that meant he was loyal to the people that God had called to be his leaders in his life. That meant he was loyal to Moses and was his minister and was his servant. So when it came time for Joshua to be the new leader, what was Joshua already doing? He was already in a pattern and a habit of obedience. His eyes were on the Lord. His eyes were on the word of God. He was faithful in the little things. And now God was asking him to be faithful in a very big thing. And so what did Joshua do? He just obeyed in the next right thing. He just kept obeying. He obeyed in the law of circumcision. This was not a pleasant task. I don't have to go into details here, obviously, but in Joshua 5, there was a circumcision that had to be performed. This was not an easy thing for Joshua to have to lead. I can only imagine being the leader of Israel and saying, okay, a bunch of grown men have to go through circumcision. Painful, embarrassing, very gross, okay, kind of procedure without the surgical procedures and methods that we have today. This was not a pleasant thing, but it was a step of obedience. They had to do it. I don't know what it was like for Joshua. I can only imagine having to make that announcement and a bunch of grown men saying, what? What are you talking about? And Joshua said, I don't care how hard it is. We have to obey the Lord here. This is the sign of the covenant. We have to obey the Lord here. How can we enter into the promised land? We haven't kept the covenant and obeyed in that sign. What else did he obey? And he kept the Passover. Before they would go into the promised land, he was remembering the promise of deliverance that if they put the blood over the doorpost, then God would have the death angel pass over. An obedience, a step of obedience. They had to get all the Passover details ready and all the ceremonies in the desert there before they crossed over the Jordan River. Now, I, I can, again, I can only imagine, try to, maybe my imagination's a little weird, but I sometimes try to put myself in the, the, the shoes of these people, especially uh, people like Joshua, um, Solomon, um, men who are in places of leadership, being a father, being a, a, a leader. I find myself sometimes trying to imagine having to lead a group of people and to convince them that we need to do these kinds of things. And here he, he has the Passover ceremony and all the festivities, all the orders, all the details, and they do that in the desert while they're waiting to go across, and there's no doubt Canaanites on the other side. And you would think that their first job would be to set up some sort of military strategy. And no doubt they had guards, they had protection, but they obeyed in circumcision and in keeping of the Passover. And then in a third area, we see Joshua obeying. And that was in obeying the command of the Lord to go and to take Jericho. Now, in between the actual command and the conquest, who appears to Joshua in Joshua chapter number 5? The captain of the Lord's host. 
This is a Christophany. A Christophany is a pre-incarnate appearance of the second person of the Trinity. This is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. An appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. It's called a Christophany. Joshua 5, if you want to turn there, we, we don't have time to go into all the details and read every one of these verses. But we, we come to the end of Joshua 5, and Joshua looks up and he sees this man with a sword in his hand. And Joshua looks at him and he says unto him in Joshua 5 and verse 13, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? So he sees a man and he sees he has a sword and he sees he's someone who is obviously fit for battle. And at first he doesn't recognize who he is. He just thinks he's another soldier. So he's wondering, are you one of the enemy or are you one of our friends? Are you for us or are you against us? Joshua 5 and verse 14 and he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? What was the area of obedience? He worshiped the Lord. He humbled himself before the Lord. He recognized that this was the captain of the Lord's host and he needed to do whatever the captain of the Lord's host told him to do. He knew that this was an angel of the Lord. He may not have understood what we know from our perspective looking back as Jesus Christ pre-incarnate, but he recognized that this was the angel of the Lord. This was a man sent from God, an angelic being. And Joshua knew he needed to get on his side. He needed to get on the Lord's side. And we hear that song, we sing that song, who is on the Lord's side? It wasn't that Joshua said, hey, can you come fight for us? Hey, can you come join my army? Is that how Joshua replied? Joshua's reply was, you are an angel of the Lord. You are sent from God. I want to be on your side. And he bows down and he worships. What would you have me to do? That is the heart of a servant leader. What would you have me to do? That's where, that's where we've got to be. Wherever it is that God leads us, wherever God has us, we're all leaders in the sense that we all have influence. Some of us have more leadership responsibilities and roles, but all of us should have the heart of Joshua. What would you have me to do, Lord? I want to be on your side. Tell me what to do, and I will do it. That's the spirit. That's the attitude. And we can see how Joshua was used of the Lord. Now, Joshua 6 is the strategy for taking Jericho. And we know the story, we know the events, and marching around the city every day, and then on the last day, marching around seven times and blowing the trumpets. We were, we were thinking nuclear warheads, F-16s dropping heat-seeking missiles. You know, we're, we're thinking, oh, this is our chance. We get to go into Canaan, and we're going to show them. We're going to blow them out of oblivion. That's the way us men would think, right? Give me a game controller, and I'm, I'm going to go nuke some enemies. I'm just going to go. I'm going to, what does God say? You're going to march around the city. And you're going to march around the city with your mouth shut. You're going to do that once a day for seven days. And on the seventh day, you're going to march around seven times. You're going to blow some trumpets. Did Joshua question the Lord? Did Joshua argue with the Lord? 
to Joshua say, I don't know, God, I, I think I have a better strategy. Yeah, these guys, they, they're, they're violent people. I think we can come up with a better way. No, he had already humbled himself. He had already worshipped. He had already said, whatever you have me to do. So when God gave the command and he said to do it my way, Joshua obeyed. Now, can you imagine, again, I put myself in Joshua's shoes for a few moments, and I'm thinking, how do I explain this to my army? Now, some of us men have a harder time being quiet. There were some boys that I knew in school. They couldn't keep their mouth shut for 45 minutes of a class period. I cannot imagine some of these guys having to walk around the city and having to be quiet. But maybe we have a harder, maybe we have an easier time as men than, than ladies do. I don't know. That's su su supposedly stereotypical, right? Ladies say more words than men do. I got to be careful, right? I got to be careful what I say. <laughs> supposedly, women talk more than men. Supposedly, women have to have more words spoken in a day than, than men. Anyway, there's a stereotype there. Not going to get into all that. But their strategy is incredibly unusual out of the norm, doesn't seem to be any kind of effective military strategy. Walk around the city quietly once a day for seven days. The Canaanites, the whatever you call the Jericho people, the Jerichoans or whoever, whatever their, their, their title would be, the Canaanites there in Jericho, they're looking down and they're seeing this army march around. Who's in the city, though, who is trusting the Lord? Rahab. She's, she's watching them go around, and she's got that red cord out, that scarlet cord out. She's calling in her family. The rest of the city is rejecting, and they march around. And they do that for seven days. On the seventh day, they march around seven times, blow those trumpets, and what does God do? He brings the walls down. What was God teaching Israel and teaching Joshua? Your trust must be in me. Your dependence is not going to be on your horses, on your chariots, your military strategy. Your dependence must be on me. And that's how God often has to deal with us. We want to run ahead of him. We want to do things our way. We want to go about it the way we think is the best way. Instead of trusting God, instead of obeying his commands, his principles, claiming his promises, we want to do our thing. We want to leave God out. And then we think our strategy is better. And then we don't depend on the Lord like we should. We don't live a life of faith like we should. We don't obey because our hearts have never been prepared and humbled in the first place to obey. And Joshua was ready to obey an unusual military strategy because he already had a heart prepared. He was already in the practice and the habit of obedience. And then God delivered an unusual strategy. And then God gave them an incredible victory. And when that city came down, when those walls came down, and they marched in and they followed the, uh, the, the Lord's orders and sparing Rahab, we know about Achan. We know he disobeyed. We know the mistake Joshua made in going to Ai without seeking the Lord first. We'll have to break this up into a third part. Uh, next week, and we'll deal with, with that next week. But the point I want to make again is that Joshua was an obedient leader because he was a humble leader, he was a servant leader, he was an obedient leader, he was a prepared leader. 
And we see that pattern in Joshua's life, and may that be the pattern of our lives as well. Let's close in prayer, and uh, then we'll be dismissed. Thank you for your faithfulness and being here this evening. Lord, thank you for the life of Joshua, the testimony, the example. Lord, so much we can learn from his example, from the way he lived, the way he obeyed. Lord, may we be humble in order, Lord, for you to use us. May we be servants, being faithful in the little things, trusting you to allow us in your will according to your time and your plan to be faithful in the bigger things. Help us to trust you. Help us to be obedient. Help us, Lord, to be loyal to you, to your word. And we pray that, Lord, you will bless as we go about our ways the remainder of the week. Pray you bring us back safely again together on Sunday, uh, Lord willing. And we look, look, Lord, ahead even to the day in which you will come. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. May we be faithful until that day you call us home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, thank you for being here. Have a great rest of the week and a wonderful evening. Enjoy some fellowship as much as you can tonight. Thanks.